Welcome to Cardboard Philosophy, the board game podcast where we talk about nothing serious, seriously. Each episode, we randomly pick from a list of niche, deep board game topics and have at it. So we invite you to join us at the table, listen in on our conversations, and let us know what you think. Welcome back to Cardboard Philosophy. This is episode 22 as we continue our journey into philosophizing about cardboard. I am Robert, and alongside me are Stephen. Hey, and Evan. We really dropped the ball. We should have timed this so it was episode 24 and it would have been really cool. <laughs> Why? Because it's the first episode of 2024, Robert. Uh, oh, that is how math works. Yep. Correct. Well, Lovely. Next time. We'll get them next year. Yeah, we'll do. We'll launch episode 25 <laughs> in the first one week year. of 2025. <laughs> Come back, folks. It is now quarterly, a quarterly podcast. <laughs> All right. Anyways, I'm going to roll the dice. We'll see what we're talking about. Number 28, Evolving Tastes. And in our document, this is listed as an Evan slash Steve question. So I'll go hang out while you guys talk about this. I suspect Evan wrote this down, but it was we were talking about something like this. It was a yeah, so we maybe. just kind of talking about how different we were now compared to when we started in the hobby obviously we have a podcast so that's a fairly significant difference than when we started but like the games that kind of get us into the hobby often don't wind up being our favorite games five ten years down the road but for some people they are and for some people they you know discover uh the hobby with something like um an auction game and or like Monopoly, and that's really as far as they wind up going, and for other people, they go deeper. And so I guess it's kind of what triggers people to have their tastes change in the hobby, what causes people to get more or less into it, um, but more mostly just like what are the factors that are causing people's, uh, I guess, tastes to evolve while they're engaged with it. What causes people to get into heavier games or kind of fall back on the lighter games? Should the first game that you play, like if you really, really like it at the time, kind of hold through as being your favorite through all eternity? How does all that shake out? I would like to define the hobby because you said some people get into the hobby via Monopoly. And I feel like nobody could get into the hobby via Monopoly because the hobby <laughs> is like the category of board game that is not Monopoly. Yeah, that's true. Almost, mm. right? So so when you say the hobby, do you mean hobby board games or do you just mean straight up board games? Like how far back are we going? We're, we're going hobby board games. So okay, that that's yeah. actually an important distinction to make. Okay. Hmm. I happened to be at a game cafe that's nearby today and i saw some folks playing like risk it looked like maybe a father and his kids and some friends or something i don't know um and i kind of maybe had a similar thought of this where i was just like man some people just play risk still and i was like i i imagine they're having a good time like they were in a game cafe they clearly saw that there are are new games that there are other options um and i kind of had this moment of like I wonder if they consciously like looked at that wall and said, nope, I don't feel like reading rules or figuring it out, even though they have signs that are like, we can help you. And, you know, they're just were like, we know this one. This is what we like. We only do this every once in a while. So, you know, this is enough. Um, or if, yeah, I don't know. I just, it kind of got me thinking about like, you know, how, how they were per, like, just sort of where, how they landed there, I guess. Risk is a really good example because that's a game that I had as a kid 
wasn't a huge fan of it then, but I thought it was cool. And now I probably would elect to play anything else in my or somebody else's collection collection over that just because I don't think it's quite as good a game as others are. So that would be an example of Taste Evolving, right? That was something I thought was really, really cool. It was something that kind of catalyzed me getting into more of the hobbyist side of things, but it's not something I would turn to now. So my tastes have obviously evolved. What are the contributing factors to that evolution? I mean, yeah. My gut says at least the most obvious answer is like we start to, as we learn games and mechanics and get good at them, we need more of a challenge. Like we want there to be more to think about or we want to like up the ante. We want to make it more challenging. Um, Yeah, just the more you play it, the more you get good at it. So you think it's more a factor of it becomes too samey after a while and so you need a different rule set. Uh, I don't think it's the only factor. I just mean to me the, the first thing that comes to mind is like, most people start off with a game that's like a party game or a family game or a lighter weight game. And that gets them, that makes them say like, Oh, there's some cool new board games, but what, you know, and then the more you get to learn like what deck building is, the more you learn about like, I don't know, just the, all of the different mechanics, the more familiar you become with them, the more easier it is to say, okay, give me a little more, you know, give me a little more now. (laughs) I don't know if that's, I mean, I mean, surely that's somebody's experience, but mine has almost been the opposite. I was most into the heaviest stuff the first few years, and then I've gotten lighter and lighter in my tastes, I think. So I played a bunch of light games like Santorini, Jaipur, um, if we want to call Catan light, which I think at this point I'll call it light. Mm-hmm. I played all those games, and I didn't love them. But I thought they were cool. It just it just didn't like I never was like, ooh, I want to go like research more about board games. And then I played Rising Sun on Tabletop Simulator, and then I was like, oh, I want to go like learn more about board games. And that's like the first game I bought and what started this whole thing. And it's not a light game. At at the time it was actually a very heavy game. Um thinking back to like how many rules I felt as though there there were, and then playing it again recently, it's like, oh, this is like midweight now to me maybe even light mid and but at that time it was like the most complicated game i'd ever played but and that was what was cool about it it's like they're not just simple little abstract things they can be really thematic and complicated and so then you know for like a solid year or two i discovered that my wife and i just both loved heavy euros and so that's all we would play was like heavy euros for like for a year and i owned like five lacertas and a, and a bunch of games from Board and Dice, and I just was super into heavy Euros. And then slowly that became kind of tiring and exhausting, especially because we're, I think, just currently in a place in the hobby where modern Euros are heavy, and that's, like, it's almost like the same game over and over again, and that just starts to wane on you a bit. Um, and now for the last two or three years, it's been all, like, Kinesia, right? Mm. Like, that's my life now. So it's, like, almost the polar opposite of a Lacerda. Um, so my tastes went opposite. So I don't know if it's like, oh, I needed to be challenged more. I think it's like I started to appreciate the simple things mm. when I wouldn't have before. Like if I had played, um, what's a dumb simple game? Like Art Robbery. It's a, it's a very silly Kinesia card game where you just steal stuff from each other for 20 minutes. And I love it. I think it's so fun. Dang. But I bet if I had played that in the very beginning, I would have thought it was dumb. Like, I was just Uno or something, right? right? I don't want to play Uno. I want to play I want to play on Mars. Like, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's been about appreciating the sim- simple things and seeing how much nuance there is in so few rules 
and starting to love elegance um, as opposed to just like the content that I was into in the beginning. This makes me think of like, <clears throat> as a as a designer, as a graphic designer, you see like jokes or things of people. I'm sure in many fields there's similar things, but like this idea of you start out as a beginner and you only know how to do a couple little things and then slowly you get better and you can do all these cool fancy tricks and you're like pulling off all these like crazy moves and then eventually you kind of get to a point where you just sort of start doing the simple things again and you learn, but it's not just, you're not an amateur anymore you know you know exactly what you need to do and you can just do that one thing and just bam done you know keep it simple but you know what to do um so i don't know in a, in a way it reminds me of that like uh mm-hmm. it's a good analogy like the minimalist graphics you see so frequently today look like anyone could just throw it together but when you actually sit down and try to throw something together that conveys that much meaning mm. it's not that easy Right, and you probably couldn't appreciate that until yeah. you were deep into graphic design, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's you need to have all those years of experience to know how to just yeah. pick that one simple thing and just put it in the center of the page and just leave it. <laughs> so I, I think it's obvious to say that more exposure is going to just influence your taste. I think any f- art form is going to do that. That's why you know film students get the reputation that they have as being kind of snobs for film because you start talking to other people and you get exposed to new yeah or anything um, wine cultures food yeah. <laughs> yeah robert touched on something that i think can also do that and that's industry trends is burnout on mechanics like if you're really into area control when area control was really big and then all of a sudden it's just like man i've been playing area control games for the last year is that just going to shift you away from area control? Yeah. I would imagine. I mean, it sounds a bit like what Robert was describing, right? Like you really like the so. big crunchy euros. And then after a while it's like, okay, re- yeah, I'm converting the resources again. I'm doing, <laughs> you know, like, um, so I could see something similar happening to a specific mechanic or genre where they start to feel similar. Right. It's not, it's not special anymore. Like, um, I, th- I think the games that really stand out in the collection are the ones that like, don't feel like the other ones even even thematically like my wife calls great Western trail the cow game we don't have any other cow games and that like that enough just makes it stand out it's the cow game but if i was like the resource conversion game where you try to make the most money right like there's there's so many of those and that's everything now so so i think just uh, like even even if you love a game the fact that other games so similar to it exists kind of lowers your appreciation maybe of that game well, yeah. and and this will bring up what I knew was eventually going to come up, a game like Cards Against Humanity <laughs> that mm. kind of has its time and place and there's time and place for everything and it's college. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, I mean, and that kind of brings up the other side of it where I think like we change, right? As people, like yeah. you don't like the same music or movies that you liked when you were a teenager. You know what I mean? Like you just, you take that back. You get older. <laughs> well, not all of the same. Um, but yeah, so like just the 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 rude jokes that you get in Cards Against Humanity that entertain you as a college student or a high school student or whatever, you know, don't quite hit the same or don't carry the game the same way for a group of adults might, you know. Um and that's a game that I feel like I've just seen so many iterations on it that it's like Yeah. Man, this was really fun. Like I swear it was, you know, like way back, but I've just done it so many times and even when you add these like funny little twists on it, I mean like 
it's if you're with good friends sure it could be fun but it's just yeah you, you definitely get a little burnt out on something like that i think it can happen for sure i think it's also the people you're around um mm. like i my friends sat through me teaching them heavier games but there's just something so precious in being able to set it up and teach it to them in five minutes that I've just noticed they're more willing to play games like that and come back for games mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I just started playing more of those kinds of games because I realized they would like those more and we could just end up playing more often. And now that's kind of what I ended up liking too. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's also the people for sure. Not, not just how you change, but the people around you change, right? Maybe in college your roommate was really into it and now they live in another state. You've got local friends or your family or something and you have to accommodate. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you kind of grow with the people around you, right? Yeah. And I mean, it like you might still really like a type of game, but if you just have literally nobody to play with, right. there's kind of only so much enjoyment you're going to get out of it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, if if you find that the the, you know, maybe medium weight ones are the ones that just get your friends a little more stoked, get them coming over more often, that just seems like has the right mood that um, yeah, I could see where I definitely have done that. You know what I mean? Like my one, like a f- my wife will say, "Oh, I like that game. It had stacking. Great. I love stacking games. Now. <laughs> I'm gonna go look up every game. You know, like uh, like all it takes is one friend who kind of is into a type of game that like, all right, cool. I I like it too. So now I'll double down or be way more uh, prone to like look at those kinds of games or give right. them a chance now because I I have somebody in my life who would enjoy it with me. I wonder if that's almost a self-perpetuating machine where you're, I love stacking now. And so you get all these stacking games and then you kind of burn yourself out on the stacking mechanism. (laughs) And that influences your taste too, because it's, you were chasing that one thing so hard that Mm. it became overwhelming. And now it's okay. I I need something that I'm just going to push it down now. And that's my thing. We're going to stack it up and set up and then push it down because I don't want to think about stacking anymore. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Speaking about chasing games, I think that was another big shift personally. And I think other people experience it too, where um, like, I don't know, years ago, I would open up BGG and the top 100 would be like all new stuff. And now Mm. you could like pick anything from the top 100. I could tell you so much about it, even if I've never played it. I've just just, like I've been in the hobby that much. So much less Mm. stuff is new. And I think... Um, before I would be like hunting for like a really perfect game and I'd be like, Oh, I haven't heard of this game before. Oh, this has like the stuff I like from TI four and the stuff I like from Gloomhaven. So maybe I'll like this and I'll go, go, go buy it. And then there's all these expectations around it being like the next best mm-hmm. thing and my favorite game of all time. And I just don't care anymore about that. I just want to play the games I already have. <laughs> and like, yeah, I still buy games, um, but not nearly with as much excitement as I kind of used to. I'm not like, expecting the greatest it's more like i'm curious like what does this game do oh okay there's a little bit of that like it's a bit more of a nuanced approach noticing the little details i can't be shocked anymore i think as i could you know Mm -hmm. six years ago and so i think even even the way that you approach games is is different um and maybe that's why i've shifted towards lighter or more medium weight games is because if i'm returning to the same game over and over and teaching other people it i just like to do that in five minutes right i don't want to teach somebody on mars every week that would get exhausted but i'll teach them high society every week yeah easy that's a great time 
I think that's one of the things that's pushed me away from a lot of those heavier games. I still like some of them, but if you only teach that group of friends that game once, right. that's a lot of effort to put into that experience. And if everyone has fun, it's worth it. Yeah. But if no one ever wants to touch it again, then it's kind of like, oh, I feel like we just sunk two and a half, three hours into yeah. a fool's errand. And that feels bad. And right. I guess the negative reinforcement of that can also push you towards stuff like stacking. <laughs> Is it worth considering what doesn't change like is there anything about our tastes that does hold up like i'm yeah. and, and honestly this whole conversation i keep thinking about other things like other like music and movies and food mm -hmm. and just any other art form um you know and it's like evan kind of made the joke about like uh liking the, some of the same stuff when you're a teenager or whatever you know like and I, honestly when you're a teenager you just have so like you have so many emotions and hormones and you just feel things so strongly you know so i feel like i'm never gonna feel something <laughs> like the way i did when i was in my you know 20s or whatever um didn't know what a teenager was. but yeah <laughs> um what'd you say robert he was talking about being a teenager and then he's like like in my 20s, <laughs> and I, said my 20s. <laughs> and I was like oh i didn't realize uh, that's what a teenager was <laughs> uh, but there's things that maybe you you hold on to or like you got into the hobby playing this type of card game and you still have like a soft spot for it or mm -hmm. um yeah maybe i just answered my own question <laughs> yeah i think there definitely is i mean area control uh, okay not even mechanisms but like the feeling like the thing that i loved about rising sun was that it was all about getting into each other's heads and playing around the other players mm -hmm. just it's an interactive game and the games that i had tried before that like um sushi go and stuff like this they just weren't that interactive they were not about playing with and against the other players and to this day those are the kinds of games i love and i and i still don't like games that are remotely like sushi go where you just do your own little sandbox so i think just like that the thing that got you into games is probably just some very core like love that you have um so i i bet if somebody got into to games with like rolling rights that was the thing that got it for them then they love you know those puzzly solitaire games yeah probably to this day crosswords yeah i also i i think i'm also kind of thinking about just like I, I remember in high school going online and finding like reading like new card games like learning about like a new card game that nobody in my school knew about or something and teaching it to my friends and just like the excitement I got kind of like maybe what you were describing Robert of going on BGG and finding like the newest things like that hunt mm -hmm. you know like just that thrill of finding this completely new game and being able to like bring it to my friends and show them and and us actually having a good time um, yeah like just just on that core level like I think I still sort of chase that a little bit of like oh I want to find like a, a good one that you know like really just gets everybody going <laughs> um so even beyond mechanics or anything, it's just that that the hunt, the thrill of trying to just uh, have a good time, mm -hmm. you know, like entertain your friends. Now that you put it in those terms, I think I'm kind of the same way with the interaction because a lot of the video games that I play are very interactive. They're usually multiplayer. Now they're almost always online, but like as a kid, they're always couch co-op. Because I just found that AI at the time was not great. Like you, sometimes you get pretty good AI in like FromSoft games, but otherwise it's just like really predictable as to what they're going to do. But humans are very difficult to predict. And when you do predict what a human's going to do in a game, it's like, ah, yeah. I've got you. And I think that's 
true for the board games that I gravitate towards is, hey, if I can figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to react to what I'm setting up, I'm going to feel really good and it's going to be really interesting and engaging because of that interaction and that human element to it. Yeah. So for our impromptu, let's do our oldest favorite game and our newest favorite game. Oldest and newest, not meaning the year it was released, but the year that we played it, um, the year that we loved it. So the first or one of the first games I can remember loving is Sekigahara, The Unification of Japan. It was probably my first favorite game. I'm trying to think if I played Twilight Imperium 4th Edition before this, but no, I think I played that after. So this is a two-player war game. It's a block war game, um, which means that your units are on blocks and you can only see your units. So they're one-sided. The side that is facing you is the side that tells you what the unit is. And this is really cool because it adds this like fog of war mechanism, basically, mm-hmm. where you know that somebody has like seven blocks somewhere, but you don't know what they are. And what they are matters. Um, but I think the reason that I loved it um, is because it was historical. And I'm not a big history nerd by any means, but I do love feudal Japan, um, just like thematically and also historically. But also I had never thought that board games could be based in reality. Like, yeah, there's risk, but it's not like depicting an actual event. Yeah. I don't think I'd heard of Axis and Allies either or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was like the first board game where I was like, wow, this is like based on history. The designer looked at real life and simulated it in some way. And to me, that was like, that was beautiful. And I remember reading the designer notes in the back of the rule book and just being so in awe of this art form. Mm. Um, and then playing it also is tons of fun. It's very interactive. It's two player only, but it's all about bluffing and misdirecting. Um, and it, I still rated a 9.5 out of 10. It's still in my top 10 games of all time to this day. Definitely my favorite two player game. And then the most recent game that I uh, liked is Nucleum, which I have played once. I played it like <laughs> a week ago and I gave it a 9 out of 10. I loved it. Um, and I know I just said I have been cooling off on heavy euros, but I still like them. I still own quite a few of them. I just don't, you know, um, chase the latest heavy euro uh, anymore. And you said you didn't like non-interactive games. I did say that. Uh, Nucleum, I think it was because of who I was playing it with. I was playing with my wife, and her and I differ in the interactive thing. She doesn't like interactive games. She likes to do her own little thing, and nobody messes with it. But Nucleum is like the perfect balance between those two. I think somebody like me who loves brass and the kind of interactions that exist in brass and somebody like her who doesn't like those kinds of interactions can both play the game kind of their way. So I was really taking into account what other people were doing and trying to play off of that and plan around that. And she was just like doing her own thing. And it worked for both of us. And we both enjoyed it. So, yeah, I would rather it be brass, I guess, but, you know, I rate brass highly and I still have brass higher than it. But just the fact that it works for both people is wonderful to me. And also mechanically, it's, it's really, really fun. And I am a sucker for connecting like cities to each other to deliver stuff or to get stuff somewhere. Mm. I love that so much. It's like my favorite thing. I think when we were doing our mechanics episode, we talked about like favorite mechanism. I think I said root building or mm. something or connection yeah. building. Yeah. I love that so much. And this game has that. And I think it's maybe even suboptimal to play solely for the connection building. You can get a lot of points from your player board, but I don't care. I just did the root building stuff and I had a blast doing it. Nice. So for me, 
The earliest game that I remember loving is Mastermind with, I played it with my dad. Um, I was probably like six or something like that. I don't know. Um, And for anybody that doesn't know, it's a deduction, strictly two player game. One person does almost nothing. They do not play. It is not a good game. It, one person just makes a code and the other person tries to figure it out. And so the person who made the code, their whole role is just to tell you if you got things right or wrong and how close you're getting. Um, but for a dad and his kid, the game was a blast because we would just watch each other struggle and try to figure it out. And, you know, I mean, I had a blast trying to figure it out or watch him try to figure it out. Um, and maybe that's part of why our tastes evolve. Like again, well, we sort of talked about it, right? Like the people you're with. And so like, obviously the context of a young child and his dad is much different than a bunch of adult friends, you know? So like, again, you know, um, but yeah, I do still think that there's something about like deduction games mm-hmm. that I still to this day really enjoy. And mm-hmm. I, to be totally honest, if somebody asked me to play Mastermind, I would play it with them. Like, <laughs> you know, if it was a friend of mine that I really enjoyed and I would want to spend some time with them, I would have no problem. You know, I'm not above it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, there was that. There was definitely card games and stuff in high school, but that's probably the earliest one. And we had like family games and party games as a kid but yeah that one kind of stands out and then my most recent one i think is a party game that i just played with a group of friends called doodle dash um i think it's similar to other party games like just one or some of those things but you just try to draw really fast and the first person to finish like drawing they grab a little baton in the middle okay um and so Whoever finishes first and grabs the baton, they get to show the guesser. Like one person isn't drawing, right? And whoever finishes first gets to show them they're drawing first. And they get like first stab at getting them to try to guess it. Um, And then the second person to finish starts rolling a die that has all sides are blank except one is a stop sign. And so the second person starts rolling the die. And then once they hit the stop, everybody else has to stop. So there's first person that gets to show their drawing. Second person gets to show theirs. And then everybody else shows theirs. And so there's like three levels of the person trying to guess it. Obviously, it's a drawing game, but the the fun of it is, is like if you can just go fast and finish first, you can be, you can win. Um, It's hilarious. I love it. I said just pretty recently here how I really like party games in general. Um, And yeah, I just, I think it kind of goes to what I was saying earlier. I think I just really, really, a big part of what I enjoy in the hobby is still just inviting some people over pulling out a game and and just watching everybody start giggling and laughing <laughs> and that like that game just it instantly just got us laughing we were having a have a great time um yeah well i don't like people laughing and having a good time <laughs> <laughs> which is why the first one that i i really got into and that kind of pulled me into the hobby was game of thrones second edition oh, no. i have no investment in that ip whatsoever and even when my friend invited me over, I was like, I honestly don't care about this. Why would we do that? And he's like, no, 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 trust me. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I was like, okay, we'll try it. And it was great. It was like RTI for a year and a half. We didn't play it a ton, but it was like an event thing where, hey, we're going to do this this weekend? Yeah, we're going to do it this weekend. And um, I don't same, think I'm quite as hot on as it. TI, ironically. Yes. Yes. So I don't know if I'm as hot on it now as I was then. I don't think some of the mechanics have aged as well as they could have. It it can drag a little bit longer than it really needs to. But I still like those really interactive things. I still like that 
jostling for territory and oh are they actually going to make a move this round or are they waiting or like the fates that you can kind of do um i think the group that i have like the groups i've had since then have been a little bit more solo like my sandbox sort of thing focused which has kind of shifted a little bit in that direction but i've also really discovered an enjoyment of like economics and stuff so i think my most recent enjoyed game is I just talked about Food Chain Magnet recently, so I'm not going to talk about that again. But I am going to talk about Heaven and Ale because, oh boy, is that a fun game. And it's a fun game because everyone is staring at the table, holding their head going, what is going on? And I literally had someone to my left say, hey, Evan, I think I've just gone bankrupt for the rest of the game. I was like, no, no, no. You, there's like things you can do. And they're like, will I ever have $20 again? <laughs> it was just, it's so tight. And the player interaction isn't super verbose in that game, but it's just enough. It's like a little bit of seasoning on top yeah. of the design <laughs> that you think, okay, I got this all done. And then someone swoops in there and takes something. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's not. But it's going to get people talking. And I guess it's the same sort of thing that you guys are talking about where everyone's laughing and having a good time. It doesn't necessarily take the same form where everyone's laughing because everyone's just kind of trying to figure out how they're going to dig themselves out of this hole collectively. Everyone's but laughing such so they an don't interesting cry. game. Yes. That's, that's yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it was like sitting there. I was thinking, how is this not more widely known and then by the time we hit the end of it everyone was just like talking about it and the experience of it and it it was such a good time and that's what i love that was the same experience we had back when we played um game of thrones and like that's carried through i love seeing what weird ideas designers can come up with to really push things forward and simulate different stuff so that hasn't changed at all i do want to give a, a little shout out to power grid And especially because as we were trying to figure this out, I was going through my BGG profile. I sorted the comments to see which games I had like rated before, like earlier. And I had just recently updated my comment on that. And so for a second, I thought I had sorted it the wrong way. Cause I was like, wait, this is like one of the earliest (laughs) games that I like played. But I just played it again for the first time in like maybe 10 years or something (laughs) again. Um, And it was kind of it, Robert, what you were saying earlier, I had a similar thing where I had never played a game that like simulated real life. Like it had a whole economy and I was just like blown away at the way the more you buy of something, the more expensive it gets. Like, you know, it, like there was the, it's such, such a simple table, but it was just as you bought stuff and that like even the simplicity of how it worked was part yeah. of what just blew me away where it was like, all you had to do was put the chits on a row and put them in a table and now you have an economy. <laughs> like this is incredible. Like, um, yeah. So it just, it was definitely a turning point. I still think of it as like me really getting into the hobby, like proper, as we said earlier, like the quote unquote hobby. Like I feel like before that I had been playing stuff you could get at target, you know, and that's all fine. That's all good. Um, but that was when I really was like, Oh, there's like some real serious stuff out there that's worth looking for. Um, and yeah, I just played it again here and it holds up. I was loving it and I went to, that's why I updated my comment because I was like, it holds up. I still love it. It's as great as I remember. I need to play that game. Yeah, me too. I haven't played Power Grid. <laughs> I feel like I would love it. Yeah, it's, me too. It's, just, it's one of those things where it's like, is, is it too late? Like, am I too late? But I would love to play it. Yeah, I mean, the, 
it definitely might not hit quite the same way that it did for me sure, in, yeah. you know, 2013 or something, whatever it was. But like, yeah, it, I, I think you guys would still enjoy it for sure. Um, you doing a shout out for a game that you had forgotten about makes me realize that Rising Sun was my first favorite game. I couldn't stop talking about that game forever. It was like my, both my gateway <laughs> and my favorite game. So I probably should have yeah. said that instead of Sekigahara. But anyways, <laughs> if you get anything out of this episode, it's to go buy or play Heaven and Nail. Unsung, yes. <laughs> unsung gem. So good. So good. Uh, that's a great pick. Okay, I think that's, that's everything. Uh, this has been episode yeah. 22. We talked about shifting tastes and if you resonate or have other comments or disagreements you can let us know at cardboardphilosophypod at gmail.com otherwise we will see you in two weeks for episode 23 later play some games 